Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Tammy Grimes, I have a story for you of intrigue and murder, and a voice from the grave that cannot be silenced. Sound interesting? Man differs from his fellow creatures on this earth in that he cannot forget his lapses, his crimes. In a moment of passion, or even in cold, calculated plan, he will not be able to forget it, to erase it from his mind. His conscience like a wound that will not heal, will stay with him to his grave. Or to insanity. Mark, are you awake? Yes. What time is it? Nearly four o'clock in the morning. I heard you tossing and turning as though you were having a bad dream. I was. A frightening dream. I heard a voice calling me. A voice? It was Lorraine's. I... I don't want to hear about no, it. No, wait, wait, wait. Don't run away. I want to tell you. I'll be sleeping in the guest room. Don't go off like that. Let me explain. I know what you're going to say, Mark. And I don't want to hear it. Our mystery drama, A Wound That Would Not Heal, was written especially for Mystery Theater by Sidney Sloan and stars Ralph Bell. I'll be back shortly with Act One. No home should be without a basic tool set, even if you only use it for emergency repairs. And True Value Hardware Stores suggest you stock yours with quality master mechanic tools. Hi, Pat Summerall to tell you that right now they're offering the master mechanic six-piece screwdriver set with assorted regular and Phillips tip blades for just $9.49. And the master mechanic 19-inch toolbox with hip roof design for extra storage space is just $12.79 at participating True Value Hardware stores and home centers. Beauty. It's like inside a person. It makes them beautiful. <laughs> Beauty is, um... Ba-ba-boom! <laughs> it's the way people see you. Beauty. In the eyes of the beholder, behold the 1982 Miss USA pageant. A CBS TV special presentation hosted by Bob Barker and Joan Van Ark with guest Donnie Osmond. The 1982 Miss USA pageant. A Thing of Beauty, Thursday at 9, 8 Central and Mountain on CBS Television. Ba-ba-boom! <laughs> As the assistant controller of your company, did you make the decision to use ADP? I participated in the decision. We were on a manual system. Nothing was computerized. Why didn't you get your own computer? We didn't have the know-how. We can go out and buy the equipment, but in a few years it's outdated. ADP constantly upgrades their equipment and the programs. What services of ADP do you use? Okay, general ledger, accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, their inventory system, and we're just getting into the network system. If you had the decision to make again, would you still choose ADP? Yes. Having ADP saves us much more money than it costs us. Really? Oh, yes. I'm happy with ADP, the computing company. Oh, you know there's a computing company? <laughs> they are the only computing company. As far as you're concerned. <laughs> right. You're a fan. Oh, yes. I'm sold. <laughs> Call ADP at 312-867-6400 or see the white pages. Forsyth slept late. It had been a troubled sleep. He felt he was faced with an impossible problem. Something that would have to be solved no matter what the consequences were. As he came down the stairs the following morning, he remembered he had heard in his sleep the voice of the ring calling to him. It was a cry of anguish. A plaintive cry for help. Carol? Carol? I'm here in the kitchen, Mark. I'm just going out to pick up the paper in the driveway. I've already got it. It's on the table. Hmm. Coffee smells good. Want me to pour a cup for you? Yes, thanks. Look, about last night. Look, Mark, 
I know. I've known for a long time. Please, Carol, let me... A wife always knows about these things. Kid, let me explain. What? That you want to leave me? I know that, too. You don't know. You won't listen. I'll listen. Go on, say it. Okay. Lorene and I... Without our knowing, it drifted into a rather difficult uh, relationship. Go on. After Phil died... Laureen was at loose ends. And you felt it was your duty to comfort her, the lonely widow. Oh, don't say it that way, Carol. It makes it all sound so tawdry, so cheap. I'm sorry. Perhaps I'm to blame. It was my idea that you hire her as your secretary. I threw you together. I needed a secretary. This whole business has been painful for me. It is only because I'm... Well, because I feel a sincere, warm bond of affection for you that I'm putting myself through this, this humiliating experience. Humiliating to you? Mark, what do you think it's been for me, knowing what was happening to my marriage and being unable to do anything, to say anything, to change you, to bring you back to me? When did you know? Almost from the beginning. You never said anything. Oh, I couldn't. One day I heard you reading from the manuscript of your new novel. Noreen was listening. Your voice, your emotions were in that reading. The door of your study was open. I looked in and saw you too. I saw her eyes glisten as you read. And I knew that it wasn't so much the story that moved her. It was the author. She was in love with you and you with her. Why didn't you say something? I was afraid to, Mark. I was hoping it was all just a temporary thing. Something so trivial that it would blow away. I must tell you that it has all blown away. In a violent, angry, tempest of words. It's over, Carol. Ended. What are you saying? Yesterday afternoon, I went to Lorraine's apartment. I told her I couldn't leave you. Wouldn't. You told her? Yes, Carol. You and I are going to try to rebuild our marriage. Oh, how a name that sounds. Rebuild. We never had a good marriage. What you feel for me is gratitude. I wanted to marry you. I loved you. You didn't return that love, but you married me. You were grateful because I took care of you, supported you when you were trying to break into writing. I don't think you would have been able to do it without me. Without your help, I would never be able to make it count true. I said gratitude. That's all it ever was. You never loved me. I'll never leave you. No. Go to her. I'm sorry that I forced this stupid confession from you. I don't want to be tolerated. I'll get it. Yes, may I help you? Mr. Forsythe? Mark? Forsyth? Yes. I'm Sergeant Dennis Gentry. Homicide. You see? You said homicide? That's right. What is it, Mark? Mrs. Forsyth? Yes. What is it? You both knew Lorene Jessup? You said new officer? Yes, sir. Mrs. Jessup is dead. Oh, Lord. Oh, no. You murdered last night. We'd like you both to come down and identify the body. In, please, Mrs. Forsythe. You too, sir. It's a bit chilly in here, but uh, this won't take too long. I hope not. Will you both step this way, please? Mr. Forsythe, can you identify this woman? Yes. Yes, it's Lorraine. It's Lorraine Jessup. And you, Mrs. Forsythe? Yes. Yes, it's Lorraine. May we leave now? Yep, that's all. Uh, just one more thing. I will need your signatures on a statement that you have viewed the body and have identified it as that of the late Lorraine Jessup. Is it necessary that we do this now? I'm afraid it is. Let me take a moment. The form is all made out. We just need your signatures. And that is all? It is, for the moment. I don't know what the DA plans. The DA? 
Well, this is a murder, Mr. Forsythe. A brutal, premeditated murder. Uh, I was under the impression that Lorene had committed suicide. You hadn't given us any information other than that she was dead. Lorene Jessup was brutally slain. Now, we believe we have the murder weapon. A large, sharp pair of scissors. I see. I may as well tell you, Mr. Forsythe. You were not to leave this area without informing and getting permission from the DA's office. You were a prime suspect. You've been very quiet, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I'm disturbed by Sergeant Gentry's remarks. Hmm. So am I. But there's nothing personal in them. I mean, he's a policeman. He's searching for the person responsible for the... Oh, I can't even say. Well, don't, don't. Too oh. terrible. When I last saw her alive, it's just yesterday afternoon. You said it became quite violent because you told her that you weren't leaving me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Finally, when she saw that I'd made up my mind and wouldn't change it, she became as docile as a kitten. She came to me. She kissed me gently, almost like a child. Told me to go told me that I was doing the right thing. Oh? As I stood at the door, ready to leave, I, I, I looked back at her. She was smiling. Her eyes were wet with tears, but that was the last time I saw her. I quickly shut the door and I left. Mark, come to me. Save me. Mark. What was that? What? That voice. Didn't you hear it? No, I didn't hear anything. Lorraine. It was Lorraine. Mark, are you all right? She was calling me. Calling me to come to her. Save her. Come in. Oh, Mr. Forsythe, you're very prompt. Come in. Thanks, Sergeant. Sit down, won't you? with you? I don't need an attorney. I am duty-bound to warn you that it is your constitutional right to have legal help before you answer any questions. I waive my rights. I will answer your questions. Okay. I'll call in the standard typist and we'll begin. Uh, Miss Norton, will you come in here, please? Yeah, the Jessup case. We're taking a statement. Now, I'll ask you again when she starts recording your statement, whether or not you want an attorney to assist you. Your answer will be for the record. You understand? I understand. Come in. We'll start as soon as you're set up, Miss Norton. I'm ready, Sergeant Gentry. Good. Well, let's begin, Mr. Forsythe. You have a legal right to an attorney before you answer any questions that I may put to you. I understand. I weigh that right. Very well. Now... You knew the deceased, Lorraine Jessup, for some time, didn't you? I was a good friend of her late husband. And after he died, you hired her as your secretary? Yes. Why? Why? She was very good at shorthand and typing, and I needed a secretary. Was that the only reason? That was the only reason. I must warn you, Mr. Forsythe, that we have read Lorraine Jessup's diary. I see. I fell in love with her later. When I hired her, it was only because I needed her work. I'm a writer. Yeah. I've read several of your novels. I'm an admirer of your work. Thank you. You were in love with Lorene Jessup? Yes. And she was in love with you? Yes. You'd gotten in too deep, and you realized that you loved your wife, and you tried to... Break it up. No, no, no. That isn't the way it was at all. I loved Lorraine. She loved me. I never felt about anyone before my life the way I did about her. Oh. Then you didn't love your wife. I shall not answer that question. Okay. Now, you saw Lorraine Friday night, the 10th of February. Isn't that correct? What time did you arrive at her apartment? 7 o'clock. Well, approximately. And she opened the door, and you entered? I opened the door myself. She she was asleep on the couch. You had a key to her apartment? Where did you get it? She gave it to me six or seven months ago. May I have it, please? I don't have it. I haven't had it since Friday when I last used it. 
Have you uh, looked for it? I searched all my pockets. It's gone. I see, I see. Can you relate what happened when you opened the door of Mrs. Jessup's apartment last Friday night? Well, as I said, she'd fallen asleep on the sofa. Lorraine. Lorraine. Darling. Oh, oh, Mark. Oh, it's you, darling. Oh, what a wonderful way to be awakened by a gentle kiss. You didn't say you were coming to see me this evening. I had to talk to you. Something very important. You've spoken to Carol. Oh, you said you would, Mark. Look, look, Lorraine. I've come to a decision. You know how I feel. You know that I love you. I don't like the sound of it, Mark. I'm afraid of what you're going to say. Lorraine, I can't just pack up and leave her. Please, understand. Oh, no. No, don't say any more. I won't listen, Mark. I love you and I need you. You said you would go away with me. I believed you. I owe her so much. All the success I have, I owe to her. But you don't love her. You love me. Me. When did you leave her apartment? About 30 minutes later. It was nearly midnight when I returned home. I drove around trying to get hold of myself. Uh-huh. Was your wife waiting for you when you returned? Yes. She could see I was upset. She didn't ask me where I had been. She knew. I see. And you went to bed? Yes, but first I had a sandwich and some milk. And slept soundly? No, not soundly. I woke several times. I was disturbed. The decision I had made upset me. And Friday night, sometime before 12, was the last time you saw Lorreen Jessup alive. I've heard her voice. Huh? I've heard her voice calling to me, begging me to help her. Mark, come to me. Save me. Mark. There. Did you hear it? Did you? Hear what? Her voice calling to me. I didn't hear anything. Don't you see? I'm responsible for her death. I could have saved her. But I let her die. Mark Forsythe had made a decision. An honorable decision, he had thought, to give up the woman he loved. But now his heart is filled with regret. He feels that he is responsible for her death. There is something else troubling him. Something he hasn't as yet revealed to anybody. I will be back in a moment with the second act of our drama. Pause for a moment and listen to your shoes. They may need to be cat's paws. Hey, stop! What do you think you're doing? We just need heels and soles. How could you throw us out in the street? When we've been so good to you and your feet. New shoe prices out of sight. Look for the sign of the cat and make your tried and true shoes as good as new shoes. With Cat's Paw, Heels and Soles. Take a seat with a shop. Come on and get a cat happening in the art world today. Don't miss Art 1982 Chicago at Navy Pier. Chicago's world-class international art exposition returns to Navy Pier May 14th through the 18th. On display will be the works of 2,000 outstanding artists, contemporary and old masters. Come simply to browse or add to your art collection. All works in this museum-quality exposition are for sale. Hours May 14th through the 17th, 12 noon to 8 p.m., May 18th, 12 noon to 6 p.m. That's the Chicago International Art Exposition at Navy Pier. Do you know me? American Express does. In fact, they never leave home without me. I operate Artist Writers, a new Gene Sage restaurant across from the Drake on Walton. 
Drop in at Artisan Writers for luncheon, dinner, cocktails, late supper, entertainment. And if you forget your American Express card, don't worry about it. We accept cash, too. By now, you probably know me. I'm Gene Sage. You do know me, don't you? Otherwise, why am I doing this? Artisan Writers, the in place to be, the place to be in. Police are faced with a puzzling case. Lorene Jessup has been brutally murdered. Mark Forsythe, the prime suspect, has behaved very strangely. First, he has waived his right to legal help when he was interrogated, and then he suddenly tells Sergeant Gentry that he hears the voice of the dead woman calling to him. The police are at a loss to understand his motives. Good evening, Mrs. Forsythe. Who is... I was uh, just coming to visit with you. Oh, I see you're going someplace. Sergeant Gentry, you remember me. Yes. Um, I was going to the supermarket. Could you come back later or tomorrow? No, no, I'd rather be now. Uh, I won't be long. Well, Look, I... I've got my car parked at the curb. Let me take you where you want to go. And I can talk to you while we're driving. Oh, really, I don't think I can tell you anything. Let me be the judge of that. Oh, very well. Here, I'll open the door... Step in. Now, where's the market? Mm, straight ahead. You'll see it on the right, less than a mile. Uh-huh. That night when Lorreen Jessup was uh, killed, what time did your husband come home? You knew he had been to see her earlier, didn't you? Yes, I knew. Uh, he came home about 8, uh, 8.30. 8, 8.30, 8, 8, mm. huh? You had dinner waiting for him? Um, he wasn't hungry. He was too upset to eat. Not even a glass of milk and a sandwich? No, nothing. He just fell on the bed and slept. Well, he didn't go to bed. I mean, uh, he didn't undress? No. Mm, I distinctly remember his sleeping fully dressed. I took off his shoes while he slept. I see. And then you went to bed? No, not right away. Perhaps an hour or so later. About, uh, ten? About ten. No later. Did, did, uh, did he sleep soundly that night? No. I heard him tossing and turning. I heard him call out several times. Could you make out what he said? Not from the other room. Well, you were not sleeping in the same room. No. Uh, could you understand what he was saying when you finally came to him? I mean, came into the room where he was sleeping. He was still asleep, but quite agitated. He said something about Lorene. I couldn't understand anything but her name. I woke him up. Uh, was he still dressed? Yes. I had removed his shoes earlier, but he had put them back on. Didn't you think that strange? Yes. I I asked him why he had done it, but he seemed too confused to answer me. It rained very heavily that Friday night. Rain, sleep. Were his shoes wet? Oh, he hadn't gone out. Were his shoes wet, Mrs. Forsythe? No, I... I don't know. Um, I didn't notice. I see. Hello. Hey, this must be your shopping center. Thank you. Thank you for giving me your time. I know what you're thinking, Sergeant Gentry, but you're wrong. My husband did not go out again after he came home. I'll swear to that. Thank you, Mrs. Forsythe. Father Gogarty? Yes? I'm sorry to interrupt your father. I uh, want to talk to you. Certainly, certainly. Come back to my study. Hard to talk here. This place is a bit of an echo and it's empty. Follow me. Don't get much chance to practice when our organist is around. <laughs> I knew he wasn't going to be practicing today, so I snuck in. I'm sorry if I interrupted you. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I'm pretty bad at it, but it's sort of relaxing. Here we are. Step in, sir. Thank you. I, uh... I don't quite know how to begin. Take your time, son. I... I think I'd better tell you that I'm not of your faith. <laughs> this is not a prerequisite for a talk with me. Perhaps I can help anyway. Well, I hope you can, Father. I'm, uh... I'm a married man. Married for nearly ten years, though. 
A woman that I'm fond of, but not in love with. Were you ever in love with her? No. She loves me. She knew how I felt when we were married. I see. Now, you're going to tell me that you met someone else and fell in love with her. Yes, that's right. It was the most important thing in my life. I wanted to leave my wife and run off with her. But, uh, you haven't done so. No. I told her that I couldn't. Ah, you have resisted temptation, my son. You have done nothing wrong. The woman I loved is dead. I think I killed her. You think you killed her? She's dead. The police say murder. Go on. I had told her that I couldn't go through with it. I couldn't desert my wife. There was a quarrel. She forgave me and said I was doing the right thing. I walked out. The next morning, the police came. She was dead. Murdered. What are you trying to tell me? I think... I feel... that I killed her. You feel? You think? You are unsure. That night, when I came home, I ate something. I drank a glass of milk. And then I threw myself down on the bed, fully dressed, and fell asleep. I had terrible dreams. I couldn't remember them in the morning. But I, I, I remember them now. I think I got up and I left the house. And I went to Lorraine's apartment. I had a key. And when she saw me, she, she smiled and came to me. We embraced. There was a pair of sharp scissors on the table behind her. Still in my arms, I reached... I reached for the scissors. And, and I... I... <laughs> my son. My son. Are you certain that this happened? I think it did. I think so now. I choose to think that you're innocent. That with the emotion, the shock of the death, you began to blame yourself. And then to believe that you had actually committed the crime. I would like to think that, Father, but... I have one piece of evidence that convinces me. I hear her. Loreen. Calling to me. You... She's calling me. What are you going to do? I'm not quite sure. Go to the police, give myself up. I don't believe that they will accept your confession. There's no motivation. You love the woman. You were leaving her. She wasn't leaving you. Well, why did I get up and go to her house? You're not sure of that. It's all in your mind. Father, my shoes were wet and muddy. The next morning, I found them by the side of my bed. I had gone out that night. Sergeant Gentry here. Oh, yeah, Steve. I've been waiting for you. Expecting your call. About the shoes. Yes, yeah, so what's your verdict? What about the dirt? Came from the driveway? You checked that? Were you able to find footprints? Oh, you got them in plaster. Great. Have them sent right over. Thanks, Steve. Hello. Give me the DA. Mr. Burrows, I think we've got enough for an indictment in the Jessup case. Yep, it's Mark Forsythe. He went back to her apartment. Huh? No doubt about it. We've got substantial evidence to link him. He's our man. Come in. Am I disturbing you, Mark? No, Carl. 
I'm not doing anything. Sergeant Gentry called. Did he? He wants to come over. I can guess why. By the way, Carol, whatever happened to my heavy brown shoes? Well, he took them several days ago. Gentry, huh? Yes. He said he would return them. When? After the trial? What are you talking about? Don't you know that those brown shoes will be a very important piece of evidence in my trial? Trial? You haven't been arrested, charged. I will be very soon. Probably this very afternoon. The shoes are incriminating. The shoes I wore that Friday night. You know, didn't you? I knew. Did you hear me get up, go out? I'd never tell anyone if I did. <laughs> but I'll tell. I'll tell the whole sad story, how I got up, got the car out of the garage, drove to Lorraine's apartment house, went in and... Please, Mark, please. I killed her. I loved her. And I killed her. You didn't. You've got to keep saying you didn't. This is all in your mind. It never happened. It happened, all right. Mark, listen to me. Don't say anything. You are innocent until proven guilty. A jury would never convict you unless you convict yourself. Carol, I'm so weary of it all that I don't really care what happens. Oh, that's probably Gentry Letterman. Mark, please. He mustn't see you like this. Becoming impatient, Carol. You better let him in now. Come on. Please, Mark. Now try to get a hold of yourself. Oh, Sergeant Gentry. Come in, won't you? Thanks. He's in his study. This way. Hello, Sergeant. Been expecting you? Yes. I'm here on official business, Mr. Forsythe. I've been expecting that, too. I wonder if I might speak to you uh, alone for a minute or two. Of course. Carol, will you excuse us for a moment? Call me if you want anything, Mark. I suppose you've come to talk to me about my shoes. Oh, that and other matters. Now, we've done a bit of research and found that the dried mud on the shoes... Came from the grounds around Lorraine's apartment. And your footprints in the wet ground, which subsequently froze, permitted us to make perfect plaster impressions. All evidence against me. Serious, incriminating evidence. It's a waste of time, Sergeant. What? I'm going to plead guilty. I know what I've done, and I want to pay for my sin. Well, suppose we let the judge and jury decide that. Now, my job is to get at the truth, collect the evidence, and that's all. Speaking of evidence, by the way, uh, two things bother me. Maybe three. Yes? Now, four days after the uh, incident, I came here with a search warrant, went over the clothing you wore that night. Only your shoes revealed anything. There was nothing on your clothing of an incriminating nature. Well, wasn't that enough, my shoes? They were covered with dried mud. That's strange. You had made no effort to wash off the mud. Well, you see, I'm not a professional. I understand, I understand. But how and why did we find mud inside the shoe? As well as outside. Perhaps the mud was deep. It oozed over the sides. No, 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 no. The ground was partially frozen. The footprints only sunk down a half inch or so. I can't explain that. Another thing. The key to the apartments which uh, you say you lost. I haven't got it. I couldn't find it the next day. I had several men searching the area in front of the apartment building. We found the key. I must have dropped it. You must have thrown it. It was in a clump of bushes about 25 feet off the driveway. All right, I must have thrown it then. I have a warrant for your arrest. The charge is murder. Mark Forsythe is convinced that he has committed murder. He is so certain that he has done it that he won't make a move to save himself. He wants to pay for his crime. He has refused to listen to those about him who have doubts about his guilt. He hears the voice of the woman he had loved calling to him. And he only has one wish, to join her. I'll be back with Act 3 in a moment. 
The Value Ride Pharmacy Summer Sale is going on right now, and your participating Value Ride is featuring some of the hottest bargains of the year on brand name products to help you feel great and get the most out of summer fun. Check out this Value Ride radio special on Dolcolax. For occasional irregularity, Dolcolax suppositories can bring relief in as little as 15 minutes in most cases. Tablets help give overnight relief. Use only as directed. 24 tablets or four suppositories, just $189. Look for the Value Ride sign in your neighborhood or check the yellow pages for the store nearest you. Value Ride. If you've been waiting to buy a new appliance, your White Westinghouse dealer is now offering great values on brand new White Westinghouse 1982 models of refrigerators, freezers, washers, dryers, dishwashers, and ranges. And just when you need it most, White Westinghouse dealers are featuring a great spring price-down event on previous year's models, floor samples, and other price-down values. So buy now and clean up at the White Westinghouse Great Spring Price-Down. White Westinghouse, we're making things better for you. This is WBBM Chicago. We'll take more care of you. I'm a British way. The British way. It's our very special way of taking care of you. We've made personal service a tradition ever since we arranged a conquering tour for Julius Caesar. You'll find this service perfected in our British Airways Super Cub, a separate reserved section where the business traveler can relax or work and always emerge refreshed. Super Club comforts you with a special check-in and then delights you with extra wide seats to London, only six across, complimentary drinks, champagne on us, plus a choice of super meals. Next business trip, travel Super Club and conquer Britain for yourself. British Airways will take more care of you. British Airways takes more care of business travelers with six 747s a week to London's Heathrow, departing at 8.30 p.m. See your travel agent, company travel department, or call British Airways. The case against Mark Forsythe is not as clean-cut as the police first thought. First, the motivation is lacking. Why should Mark want to kill the woman he loved? It was his decision not to go off with her, but to remain with his wife. The muddy shoes are the most difficult element in the mystery for Sergeant Gentry to understand. Why should there be mud inside the shoe as well as outside? It is now over a week later. Sergeant Gentry is sitting in his office late in the evening, trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Sergeant Gentry. Who? What does he want? To speak to me about the Jessup case. Look, he's probably some kind of crank. I've got the time of the patient. He's a what? A priest. A great priest. Sergeant Gentry? And Patrick Augusty. Well, come in, Father. I'm afraid I haven't much time to give you. I won't take too much time to get right to it. A troubled, a very much troubled man came to see me in my church. He was in need of someone he could talk to. When I read about him in the papers and saw his picture, I knew it was him. Mark Forsythe. That's right. It was him, all right. So what did he tell you? I'm not at liberty to divulge what someone has given to me in the confessional. He confessed to you? Indeed, he did not, sir. Well, if he didn't confess to you, what's the purpose of your visit? The purpose? The purpose is to tell you that the poor man is innocent. I am a very astute judge of human nature, Sergeant. I listened in my time to a lot of outpourings of the heart and soul. He is innocent. I know it. I feel it. Well... Unfortunately, the law doesn't work on hunches. Mark Forsythe will be given a fair trial. Father, thank you for coming. I'm not a betting man, Sergeant. But I'll bet it I'm right. And you're wrong. <laughs> How much? Money? I would never bet money against my principles. So what then? I'm extremely fond of Irish coffee. There's a little place I know of where the coffee is superb. I'll bet you a glass of Irish coffee, Sergeant. Mr. D.A., Sergeant Gentry here. We got the Jessup case on the calendar yet? Yeah. Look, could uh, I have your permission to take another look at it? Yeah, I, I, I know you're satisfied you have enough evidence. Well, 
I've got a couple little worries I would like to put to bed. Going over the statements, I find a few discrepancies that bother me. Yes, sir. I won't bring them to your attention unless I believe them vital to the case. Bye. Sergeant, are you sure it's all right for me to talk to you? Our lawyer advised me not to talk to anybody. Oh, of course, it's your right not to talk, but... Well, I'm trying to help your husband. The DA's got his case all together, and he's going to prove that Mark Forsythe is guilty. And you don't believe he is? I'm honestly beginning to think that he is innocent. Now, I think that he has been maneuvered, uh, brainwashed into thinking that he did it. Now, you can walk out of my office, not say a word. Or you can listen to what I'm going to ask you. And answer, if you can. I'll stay. Good, good. Now, here. Right here on page two, I asked him what time he left Mrs. Jessup's apartment after the quarrel. And he said, and I'm... I'm quoting. He said, I don't know the exact time that I left. It was nearly midnight when I returned home. I drove around trying to get hold of myself. Now, in your statement, you said he came home about 8, 8.30. Statement? I, I don't remember making a statement. Well, I taped what you told me when I drove you to the supermarket that morning. It was uh, completely unofficial. It was to help me remember... I should have told you I was I was taping your answers. I um I think I'll go now. No, no, please, please, please. One more question. Now I asked your husband about the shoes he wore that night. Now you told me that he'd come home and thrown himself on the bed that you had removed his shoes. Yes. Then you told me that when you came into his room later, he was wearing the shoes. He was. Now, in his statement to me, he said that the shoes were on the floor next to the bed. Look, I can only answer for myself, Sergeant General. Our lab reports that only one shoe had mud on it. The other was absolutely clean, not a hint of mud. I can't answer that. Now, I, I don't know why only one shoe had mud, the other not. There was mud on the inside of that shoe as well. Well, what does that mean? Uh, Excuse me. Hello? Gentry here. Who? Uh, just a moment. It's your husband's lawyer, Mr. Helms. He heard you were here. He wants to talk to you. Okay. Hello? Yes. Yes, Mr. Helms. I, I do remember you telling me I was not to... But, but I thought that... I understood he was trying to help Mark. I... Mm. I see. Goodbye. Mr. Helms says I'm doing my husband harm by speaking to you. Goodbye, Sergeant. Now, wait a minute. I'm warning you that you and only you can help him. If you go out that door, he'll be convicted of murder. We find the defendant, Mark Forsythe, guilty of murder in the second degree. Just calling, Mr. D.A., to offer my congratulations on your victory. What? Well, I wouldn't mind a promotion. Could use the extra money. Sure. Only I would not like to get it on the Jessup case. What do I mean? I mean we got the wrong man. Mark Forsythe is really the victim. No, I will stand on that statement. Mark never did it. Don't, don't shut the door, please. I want to talk to you. Look, I haven't much time. I'm packing to this go away. This won't take five minutes. Surely you can spare that for Mark's sake. Come in. Thanks. You killed Lorraine, didn't you? You have no right to ask that question of me. You would like to tell the truth. You've held it back so long. Now, wouldn't you feel better if you could tell the truth? Wouldn't it ease your conscience, Mrs. Forsythe? Why don't you go? Leave me alone. You go all your life with that secret in your heart. You have your tape recorder running, don't you? Oh, no, no tape recorder, nothing. I don't trust you. What makes you think that I killed Lorene? Marcus confessed to it. 
He pleaded insanity. The jury didn't believe him. How can you even think that I might have done it? The shoes. Mark's shoes. Mud on them from the section of ground next to the driveway. Now, why should he conveniently step off the pavement so that he could get the incriminating mud on his shoes and in his shoes? Do you know how he happened to get the mud on the inside? I'm not answering I'll you. I'll tell you. You put on his shoe over your shoe to make the footprints in the wet ground. Your shoes had mud on them. No, no, get out. Get out of my house. While your unsuspecting husband was lying on his bed in a drug stupor. You Drugs lie. that you gave him in the milk he drank when he came home. No, no. Oh, yes, 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 Carol, yes. So he'd be asleep while you went with his key to Lorene's apartment. You bought a big, shiny pair of scissors sometime before at the hardware department of the supermarket. You brought the scissors with you that night. You let yourself into Lorene's apartment. Now, she heard you. She came into the living room. When she saw you standing there with the sharp scissors pointed at her, she called out, Save me! Save me, Mark! I need you! She cried out, screamed. I was afraid someone would hear her. She turned to run away. I ran at her and... And she was lying there on the floor, hardly moving. It was blood. You knew she was dying. You went out quickly down the stairs. You didn't take the elevator. Once outside, you felt safe. No one had seen you. You had the key to her apartment in your hand. You threw it away. Yes. Yes. You came back to your home here. You went up to the bedroom where Mark was still asleep. You tried to slip the muddy shoes on Mark's feet. He began to wake up, so you dropped them beside the bed. Yes. Carol, could you have gone the rest of your life with that bloody secret in your mind and heart? Starting to to haunt me. I, I began to think I heard her voice as Mark did. Mrs. Forsythe, I'm going to arrest you for the murder of Laureen Jessup. It's my word against yours. I'll say you contrived it all, made it up to fit the situation. Mark is convicted. A jury of 12 men and women convicted him. He admits he did it. Now he knows he didn't. Mark Forsythe, come into the room. Miss Norton, come in. <gasps> Mark! Miss Norton, did you hear what Mrs. Forsythe said? What she admitted? I heard, Sergeant Gentry. Two witnesses and me, Mrs. Forsythe. Mark! I can hardly believe it. You'd be capable of anything so evil. Oh, Mark, forgive me. I loved you. I wanted to keep you. Miss Norton, call Father Gogarty and tell him to meet me at that coffee house of his. And uh, tell him I'm buying. Gentry caught the culprit. He did a fine job. But what would have happened to Carol Forsythe if she hadn't been caught? Could she have gone through the rest of her life with that burden? Shakespeare said, Thus does conscience make cowards of us all, and the native hue of resolution is sicklied over with a pale cast of thought. The burden would have been too much for her. I'll be back shortly. Do you have cash you'd like to invest sensibly? Then you should know about Dreyfus Liquid Assets, the money market fund that combines your money with that of other investors to earn the kind of high interest rates large investors enjoy. Start with as little as $2,500. Then make additional investments as low as $100. With Dreyfus Liquid Assets, your money, or as much of it as you need, is yours whenever you need it. Phone for it. Write a check for cash or to pay your larger bills. You keep right on earning till the check clears. No charge or penalty for withdrawal. No sales fee. Not even a charge for the checks. Today you owe it to yourself to earn as much as you can on your money. Call today, 800-228-5000, for a prospectus, including management fee, charges, and expenses, and a clear, concise explanation of how Dreyfus Liquid Assets helps you get the lion's share from today's money market. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. 800-228-5000. Toll free. 800 800- Two two eight five thousand.
walked out of the house that had once been his home. Everything was over for him. The woman he loved was dead. The world was an empty place. And then he heard Lorene's voice calling to him, telling him she still loved him, that she still needed him. Our cast included Ralph Bell, Cynthia Adler, and Bernard Grant. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. Of course you're not afraid. Oh! Oh, I'm not dreaming. Well, just tell me what it is you're not afraid of. I'm not afraid of... Not af- of... I'm not sure. Hmm. Are we back in Yorkshire or whatever it is, a couple hundred years ago? Yes. All right. What's the latest? Squire Leroy has betrayed Ma Tapley. Ah. He... He hung her husband anyhow. Ooh, the scoundrel. That man is fit to live. Is Ma going to do anything about it? Yes. Is this the murder that she's going to commit? Yes. How? I'm not sure. I haven't relived it yet. Oh, Liza, don't you think this has gone on long enough? There's nothing I can do about it, Jim. The whole thing, it's just moved into my mind and taken complete charge. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by White Westinghouse Appliance Company and Cat's Paw Heels and Souls. This is Tammy Grimes inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time. Pleasant dreams.